welcome everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. We're starting a new four-part series today called Understanding How You Love and Attachment with a new guest and personal client of Virginia's, Miss Jane Marcheski. Thank you both for being here. Thank you yeah, for having us. I'm so excited us. to be here. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> I know, man. I am so excited for today. I'm actually going to start us off with today's quote, um, and this is actually by Virginia. It's part of growing in maturity. Wisdom is reconciling what we know, the body, what we understand, the soul, and applying both in such a way that we can love well. I always love that quote. I love it when you say that. (laughs) Um, But Virginia, I wanted to start with this. You know, you've stated that love language, their their preferences, whereas attachments or, you know, the book How We Love, what they talk about, that's that's hardwired. So not many people know about attachment. So would you mind elaborating on what it is and how understanding this about ourselves helps us? Well, thank you for asking, and I'll do my very best. And we're going to be discussing this in the introduction of the episodes that are following. But basically, at conception, four to six weeks, I think it is, after conception, the brain begins to record memory. Wow. And that's a fascinating reality Mm -hmm. to take into account. Mm -hmm. We all get lost in our stories in our experiences, but in fact, our experiences, our personal experiences are a small part that explains how we love. Yeah. So I'm so happy Jane's here because we're gonna illustrate this, I think, clearly and in great detail as we go on and we record future episodes. But research tells us that there are nine attachment styles, but for our purposes, we're only gonna focus on five. Okay. And I like to focus on five because I think they're comprehensive and they give us a good working model that we can easily access to immediately begin to apply the research, no matter, even for our listening audience, right. they're gonna, we're going to give them a takeaway. They're going to be able to apply the research from the things they're hearing right now yeah. and see significant difference, a, a significant difference in how they look at everything Mm-hmm. So we always start with self. Rest is about inviting people into this place where they have to reconcile, right? Yeah. The mm-hmm. conversation that's taking place between their spirit, their soul, and their body. Mm-hmm. And so attachment has to do very much with that conversation between the soul and the body because that's where we have the dialogue, the stories we tell ourselves in our soul, right. and then the things that are hardwired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in our bodies and this is where the discussion of attachment becomes relevant right so we have five basic attachment styles avoider pleaser vacillator controller slash compliant controller victim Mm -hmm. all are illustrated in the book how we love so for our listening audience that's something tangible they can pick up right away that'll expound on them Mm -hmm. but the avoider basically does exactly what the word implies (laughs) they tend to just process things internally they're like an island right the pleaser is very compliant they're always trying to figure out what they can do and how they can do it and Mm -hmm. who they can help next and before you go on real quick you used to you always do something with your hand to help people remember oh yes that's right yeah would you mind recorded yes so i 
teach everyone this the day they come see me. I ask them to put their hands up mm -hmm. or within the first few sessions. I want them to put their hand up. And this is the easiest way to, uh, to remember these attachment styles. Yeah. You have your avoiders right here. He's like a little island off by himself. The pleaser is right here, and I like to put the pleaser here because I think when we get married, which is where the wedding ring goes, mm -hmm. when we get married, we really want to please and meet each other's needs and whatnot. The vacillator is right here, and I won't elaborate on that, <laughs> but the vacillator really stands up in a group often yeah. because... They tend to be very energetic, very enthusiastic. They're very likable, but um, they can go have high highs and low lows, and mm -hmm. they can be a little unpredictable. And anger generally drives, they have the capacity to spike from zero to 150 very quickly. So it just ended up in the middle finger. <laughs> and the controller is right here. Controller. I always think telling everybody what to do controller and right here is the victim mm. and I like to put the victim in the controller and describe them like this mm -hmm. by the way thank you for reminding you're me you're welcome but I like to describe them like this because the controller is overpowering mm -hmm. but I want mm. everybody to understand and Jane and I have spoken about this at length but the controller and the victim are the same person mm. or controller compliant. So if you see a person that's always complaining and acting like a victim, or if you always feel like life's unfair and unjust, I want you to understand that the flip side of that, if you're not aware of that, is that you've got, you've managed to control somehow, either in that state or in that in those places of reactivity and so you need to be aware of now the people that come from this kind of home the chaotic home mm -hmm. have there's some form of addiction home is not safe and so emotionally spiritually physically there's some measure of danger in that home mm -hmm. and again the spectrum is from one to ten right the vacillator abandonment there's mm -hmm. always been abandonment the pleaser Hypervigilant parents, hovering parents, there's a measure of, it's a, somewhat of a critical home because the parents are anxious. By the way, in the chaotic home, in the home of a vacillator, and in the home of a pleaser, anxieties are always running high, mm -hmm. and the parents aren't regulating as perhaps would be most productive for the child. And then the avoider, the pinky, mm -hmm. he grows up in a home, or she grows up in a home where they're pretty much on their own okay either there's been a death in the family mom maybe dad passed away mom has to work but either way this child for whatever reason and again the spectrum in all of these are from one to ten right. one thing I'd like to say about attachment is these are not character deficits mm -hmm. I like to describe attachment in how the brain wired itself in order to cope and to process whatever situation that that person needs to cope in. Also, I'd like to say before we go off this section is that the victim and the pleaser are the same people. The pleaser, however, has boundaries and the oh, victim has none. That makes sense. Because the victim grew up in a home, let's say, where there was 
alcohol abuse, mm. sexual abuse, mm -hmm. drug abuse, any kind of abuse or physical abuse. Right. And they try disappearing. <laughs> They've tried controlling. Mm -hmm. They've tried by virtue of the environmental circumstances or the conditions in the home, they've tried all kinds of things. They have had to be hypervigilant. Yeah. A, va a vacillator is hypervigilant. They've had to be hypervigilant because their life depended on them responding accordingly. Mm -hmm. They've tried pleasing and they've tried avoiding, mm -hmm. but nothing works. And the central nervous system, right, the hard wire yeah. takes over to help them cope and sustain mm -hmm. their life. So these attachment styles are fantastic. Yeah. That said, Jane, mm -hmm. I want to get right to you Absolutely. and your story because you have a fascinating story. And we're seeing all kinds of autoimmune diseases and we're seeing cancer increase. We're seeing all kinds of physical ailments impact the lives of younger and younger and younger. Yeah people. Yes. And so I wanted to interject and weave into this conversation about attachment, your story. Absolutely. It's wild to think that something like the way that we love an attachment could somehow be connected to disease. And that's a huge lesson that I've learned over the last few years. I'll give you like a quick overview of my story. And since we have so many podcasts to come that I'll be guesting on, <laughs> we'll go into depth more, but just a brief overview. I uh, was first diagnosed with cancer when I was 26. It was about two years after I had just gotten married. I went into remission for about a year and a half um, and was diagnosed again, but this time given three to six months to live. I went through a divorce about a month later. Marriage totally fell apart. And then I was I healed from cancer like pretty miraculously. But I think because I wasn't operating from a place of rest, the the environment of my body was just like ripe and conducive for disease and for a return mm. of cancer. And so at this point in my story... Can I interrupt you for a minute? I want you to give context for rest because you said I wasn't operating from this place of rest. Mm -hmm. And when people think of rest... They think of like sleep, like napping, sleep, yeah, <laughs> napping of doing nothing. Right. When in fact, that's not what happens. Right. When we shut down, rest is about reconciling mm -hmm. the conflict that's happening within ourselves. Because in fact, when we go into a place of rest, that's where our entire body is doing. It's working very, yeah. very hard to what reconcile right. mm -hmm. the dis-ease in order mm -hmm. to heal exactly right. yeah so i want you to talk about that for a second sure because when you stepped into rest you had to reconcile some things oh my goodness yeah so um when we talk about rest from this perspective the rest that we're trying to access is like um a oneness and a completeness within yourself so a huge thing that I have learned kind of going through the way that Virginia thinks about things and does things is any issue that we have, like re relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all can be boiled down to a conflict within yourself. And often we're not even aware of what these conflicts are. Sometimes it's related to 
like relationships or something that we're doing wrong in our life or lies we're telling to ourselves. Mm. And until we're able to reconcile those things and... Look inward, huh? Yeah, and look inward and stop running from yourself, we're not going to be able to heal spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I, I love that you pointed that out because I remember the first day you stepped in my office, I was listening very carefully to your story. Mm-hmm. And it had so many facets but I was listening to you with my heart, but I was hearing, watching, and absorbing, and processing, and taking in the disparity Mm. between what you were talking about and the story you were telling me and what your body was revealing. Mm. Because it's the disparity between those two narratives that I find we can easily address the anatomy of our disease yeah right it's Amazing. the disparity between yeah. those things and it seemed like we you kind of have that. this laser vision and and you're very gifted to say mm, this is what she's saying but this is the this is a story she's carrying yeah but that's this right. is what she's carrying mm-hmm. and i love that and i i, I want to encourage our listening audience that right now if we all made a vow to when we're confused or in a state of dis-ease for whatever reason, relationship, jobs, disease, that we stop and say, wait a minute, there's three conversations taking place. Mm-hmm. And those three conversations, I need to reconcile them. And I can if I step into this place of rest. Mm-hmm. What are the three conversations? What's happening in this quantum spiritual field, mm-hmm. which is that energy field, right? What's happening in the anatomy of my soul And for those of you who've listened to the other podcasts, the soul is the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience, and the feelings. Mm -hmm. And we confuse that with what's happening in our central nervous system and in our body because feelings are the root cause of emotions. Mm -hmm. They're not the same thing, which brings us back to what kind of decisions are we making and how are we processing this information? In our what? In our soul, our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, our feelings. Mm -hmm. What does that tell me? This is what's going to transmit or not what's happening out here or not. Mm -hmm. And so what that information is being processed through my brainstem, through my central nervous system, in my body. So by the time we begin to talk about states of disease, right? And you came in with a very clear one, Mm -hmm. cancer. And I've grown to really respect cancer because it's a blueprint. It's a map into the soul for me, right? Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, it really is. So anyway, that's what rest represents. And those of you who've listened to the podcast that we've recorded earlier can have a working model of that. Rest is about reconciling the conflict within ourselves. And with you, we started with your story. I always start with people's story because you've got the resources and the tools to heal. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what that was like initially. Yeah. Well, I think we started we started all the way back from, you know, my parents and even before I was born, like we were talking about before. Um, but we started with the cancer. Yeah. Yeah, we did touch on those things. But the fact is I have cancer and it's like, okay, well, tell me a little bit about how you found us and mm-hmm. how you got here. Yeah, and you would be- it would it be too much to ask what kind of cancer? Oh no, of course. Um, well, I was first diagnosed with breast cancer the first time when okay. I was twenty six, 
And then the second time I was diagnosed, it had metastasized to um, lungs, liver, ribs, spine, and um, liver. So That's it right. was everywhere, yeah. Wow. Um, and a lot of times where your cancer is in your organs is even a map to tell you what needs reconciled as well, which I'm sure we'll go into maybe later. I think one of the things that stands out in my mind with you, as is the case with every patient that I consult with at Center for New Medicine and Cancer Center for Healing, under the direction, by the way, of Dr. Lee-Aaron Keneally, who has a, is a wealth mm-hmm. of information pertaining to cancer. I have grown to understand the emotional constitution of the disease, especially breast cancer. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But why don't you tell us about how you loved, how are you hardwired to operate in your marriage? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Oh, good question. Yeah. Because that's where the cancer really emerged. Yeah. Right. It compounded, but it manifested there. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back a little bit further, I think I grew up as a as a pleaser. Um, and I grew up kind of hypervigilant to what everybody wanted of me, um, to what would make me the most accepted. Um, and it is, it all comes back to human survival instincts. We learn early on before we even understand what's going on in our little brains, we're learning how best to survive in the world. And um, reactivities, right? Yeah. You become reactive in certain ways. Yeah. Or... So I got married at 24, and it was, it was truly months later when I first found a lump in my right breast. And I got it checked out, and it wasn't it wasn't diagnosed as cancer at the time. But now looking back, it's very interesting because I was kind of hardwired as a kid to be a pleaser in a relationship. So I got into this marriage, and it was very like just like controller and, and pleaser. So I was mm-hmm. just there was just constant anxiety. I was kind of walking on eggshells, kind of always adapting and trying to be whatever I needed to be to get the love that I needed because it all comes back to. Um, you know, how we're learning to get the love that we need to survive. And that caused me so much constant anxiety. And I want to interrupt if I could for a moment, because I think it's really important for our listening audience to understand. Dr. Keneally has said, and the research shows, that cancer has a 10 to 12-year incubation period. Right. So the circumstances of your marriage and how you got married, the cancer came 12 months which is the triggering event, yeah. as according to the work of Dr. Homer in German New Medicine. And we're going to be doing a whole podcast on that yes. as well. But that was the triggering event right. that ultimately triggered the cancer. So the ambivalent attachment style manifesting specifically in breast cancer mm-hmm. has a lot to do with the compounding unaddressed emotional, physical, spiritual congestion that compounded up to that point. Yeah, and even what we know about right breast. That's right. It's Breast cancer in general is unrest in the nest, as Dr. Keneally would say, but also on the right side is very much connected to an issue with men. Men in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm happy you clarified that because I don't think, I, I think so many people have no idea that cancer can be linked specifically to certain instances in life or certain traumas or 
or relationships. I yeah. think that's so important to mention. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but I think it's also important to mention that not only did you go into complete remission, but then it came back. Right. And where it came back and why it came back and how I think is really important to mention because the liver is like the mother of the body. Mm -hmm. It's a caretaker of everything. And when we see a lot of anger, we see unprocessed, unresolved anger, we see problems in the liver and many other things, which aren't the subject of this podcast, but attachment (laughs) is. We're going to have future podcasts. There's so much. But I love love that you you began discussing the marriage because that's really what brought you to me was the cancer that developed in the context of this marriage, which is unrest in the nest. Absolutely. But the triggering event to the cancer, which again, usually has about a 12 month before the diagnose, there's a triggering event, is the marriage. Yeah. And how you played, the role you played in that marriage was not according to laws of nature that are self-evident and appeal to our natural affections. Right. It was in a state of confusion, chaos, and disease from its conception. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of my story, as far as the triggering event, it comes back to, and wow, this was huge and mind-blowing, and this was like the big conflict that needed reconciled, was I was kind of, I think I was kind of on the run from this great emptiness that I felt, you know? And it's easy, it's a lot easier to lie to yourself than it is to admit the, the truth about your own emptiness. And so that was the big conflict. And I I had a lot of, I think, issues with that marriage thinking that thinking that it was gonna fix this emptiness, you know. That's right. And so that was a that was a big lie I told to myself. But also another conflict was I wasn't treated very well in this marriage and I was lying to myself about that. Yes, and we're gonna get into all that. Yeah. But for today's segment, I think this is a high note. To close on yeah and that is that you did not have high levels of self-awareness and of understanding right mm. and it took and this is the beauty of cancer it invites us into this place of rest I always say I've learned to love everything that becomes part of our story in walking through the healing process of cancer because it exposes so many beautiful things because you had to stop. Mm -hmm. You just had to stop. There was no recording session. There was no meeting. There was no songwriting session. There was absolutely nothing you could do but stop and think about what you think about what you think and then question, is that true? Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Because your body is carrying an entire different narrative. Yeah. That because your story really didn't even begin in your home. It began in the home of the home of your parents, parents, parents. And how you loved, though, was from this narrative that these stories, we all, not just you, Jane, we all love through the stories that we tell ourselves. We engage with each other and the world around us through these things that we think we know and understand. Yeah. But you and I have gone in this incredible adventure. Yeah. That's what, by the way, you guys, disease and dis-ease, dis-ease will become disease that will take you into this incredible adventure 
of rest. You can succumb to it and enjoy it and look at it as an opportunity to understand things you yeah, I mean, you didn't can, know existed, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you can resist and grow bitter and hard-hardened. And we don't want you to do that. So we're inviting you all into this place of rest and into this conversation on attachment because when we can understand how we love, you can heal and you can prevent all kinds of states of dis-ease from developing. Wow. So, And that's your story. So Absolutely. I can't wait to record the following episodes with you because you've got a lot to say about that. Yeah, and it's really, really powerful. And I think if people take it in and believe it as the truth and apply it, it not only will it, it can take you from a place of disease to a place of rest, but it can also prevent, you know. Prevent. It can prevent. Mm-hmm. That's why we're and doing this, powerful. right? Yeah. Yeah. Prevention. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many people that are going to be able to relate to your story. So I'm so excited that you're here and that we get to hear it. And for the next couple episodes, I mean, like this is going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, the tangible takeaway, I think, because we're going to have a tangible takeaway. And I'd like to see what you would add to this. Sure. Yeah. Is the action step is I want everyone listening And by the way, I go through this all the time myself, and Natalie does too. And here in the office, we talk about this quite a bit. But we need to understand how we love. We need to become aware and identify love styles and changing love love styles. And what are the triggering events that cause you to go into an avoidant, a pleasing, a chaotic, a controlling mode? And then learn to regulate. And when we can become aware, I think that's just the first step. And I'll get into other things as we record future episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you both again for being here. I'm so excited for this. And um, just for everyone out there who is wondering about the book, How We Love, and maybe even if you want to learn a little bit more about your own personal love style, there is a an online quiz actually that you can take. It's free. It's on howwelove.com. That's with two W's. So you just spell it out right in the the search um and it's great for couples if you are taking it as a couple also look at the core patterns um because each of you can actually take your own how we love quiz and then combine what your love styles are to see what core patterns of conversation that you are having that's actually might be taking you down um, a spiral when it comes to disagreement so i think that that's extremely helpful and singles you're welcome to take it too it just brings more self-awareness in the end as it is and that's always a blessing the book itself um, is How We Love by Milan and Kay Yurkovich. They are incredible. The primary focus of the book is on marriage, but I Mylan. highly... Mylan. Mylan. Thank yeah. you, Mylan. <laughs> um, Mylan and Kay Yurkovich. But the primary focus is on marriage. Again, though, I would still recommend it for singles, too. I'd like to add something to yeah. that. What Natalie just shared with you all is very important. And no matter who steps into my office here at my private practice or at the clinic, the number one thing I want to identify about that person and I want them to understand about themselves is how we love. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing those resources. It's a fantastic place to start and it unravels all and reveals and exposes all kinds of wonderful things about you. We are told to guard our heart above all else because out of the heart flow all the issues of love, Mm -hmm. of life. Right. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. Yeah. 
I do want to mention one or two more resources real quick. So you can actually find the book on virginiadixon.com under resources. It'll take you right to the link to where you can purchase the book. And also to learn more about Jane's story, uh, you can actually follow her on Instagram at underscore nightbird. And that's with an E at the end. And check out her blog. It's in her bio. For any updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram at the place of rest. So again, thank you so much, and we look forward to the next episode.